Hello, I'm Mark Griffiths, and welcome to Dragonheart. Now, Che Long is the host for Dragonheart today, and yet here I am, about as welcome as Ben Tozer in Sheffield United's changing room before their first semi-final playoff at the end of this season. See what I did there? Well, the reason for that's quite simple. I don't want to bore you with the details. I know that you don't have the same audio-technical knowledge that I do, or your the broadcast experience. But uh, to put it in layman's terms, I forgot to press the button when we were recording the intro, so it doesn't exist. So here I am doing an emergency introduction. But anyway, today we'll talk about the game that we enjoyed at the weekend, and boy did we enjoy it, eventually, against Aldershot. We will talk about the women's team, who had a massive win on Sunday, and a really massive game coming up next Sunday. And we'll also be speaking to Mark Woodley and Jim Nelson, who travelled over from Iowa to watch the Scunthorpe game. Two great guys. Now, Mark is a sports anchor in Iowa on the local TV channel. And, yeah, he came over to do a report, but also because he wanted to sample what he'd been loving so much on Welcome to Wrexham. And Jim was there to help him make a report. And we grabbed them at half-time in the Scunthorpe match to have a chat with them. So... We'll talk, I think, about the women's team first because it's the sharp end of the season for them. So have a little listen. This is Dragonheart. I'm Aaron Hayden and this is Dragonheart. Well, Mark was fortunate enough to watch the women's game against a team that I really can't pronounce the name, unfortunately. Mark, you have a go at it. Of Valen Elihelly. Oh, yeah, you see, whereas I, my well-speaking credentials are bang on, as you could all hear. <laughs> um, and, yeah, having gone to see them, it was a, well, cracking performance, because, mm. well, uh, the visiting team that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, the visitors. <laughs> those those guys. Uh, well, Guy S's, sorry. Um, they were... Um, <laughs> They came third last year in the in the, the league. Wrexham came second then, so a decent team. Um, they have lost players since then, uh, but Wrexham looked terrific. And as well, I mean, I mean Rosie Hughes up front is ludicrously good. She scored four goals. They won eight one, um, but all round the team it was excellent. And it must be said, gallingly, Wrexham lost three players to injuries, and still. Were able to keep going and keep the standards going. In fact, you know, the the quality from the bench was really good. Got two goals from the bench and a nice. couple of assists, and it was good to see. Um, especially because they've got a massive game coming up on Sunday. Yeah, and that win takes us back top of the table. You're the, the, the very much at the end of the league season now, and uh, there's a huge game coming up. Well, who's that game against, Mark? And why is it so significant then? Well, it's Konski Nomads, yeah. and they and us are miles ahead at the top of the table. There's one promotion place to play for. Sounds like a similar story. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Strangely familiar, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they don't have uh, Bacoli Langstaff playing for them, but nonetheless... Probably have some very good players, because uh, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of money going around in Connors Key at the moment as well, yeah, isn't yeah. there? So it's, it's really interesting. And it's interesting, I think, in the broader context of... Of course, last week it was announced that the women's team will apply to get in, promoted into the top division and therefore will be applying 
if they go up, to, to, they will go semi-professional, which is wow. a huge step. Wow. And a, a necessary step and a fantastic step because Rob and Ryan have openly said their intention is for the Wrexham women's team to be the best in Wales. And, well, this is a big, big step up in that direction, isn't it? Well, can you can you paint a picture for me for a second then? Mm. Say, uh, pretend I'm the layman, because I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day, and she was like, why is the women's team not professional, or, or why is it not on the same terms as the men's team yeah. now? You know, I know there's obvious reasons for this, but... From going for an amateur team like we have done, mm. you know, restarting, paint that picture of the women's team now, yeah. what it's like, the timeline. Well, I, I think the, the simple but crucial answer is that women's football hasn't caught up with men's football yet. Yeah. And that's not meant as a negative statement. It, I mean, women's football's had a lot of, quite frankly, ludicrous obstacles put in its place yeah. during its history. And, you know, you don't have to dig very hard, far to learn about that, you know, getting banned completely in the 1920s because, you know, having offers entertainment during the First mm-hmm. World War, then the the men's football authorities are scared of it and think, oh, we can't have this distracting us, you know, when uh, the, the famous team, <coughs> the, the Dick Kerr women that mm. were going along, were getting crowds, uh, five-figure crowds at the race course when they toured, yeah, yeah. Um, had 50,000 at Everton, you know, and so the men's game saw them as a threat rather than rather than something fantastic and that is something that the women's game is still trying to make up yeah um, the, the progress I'd say in the last 10 15 years is amazing yeah in terms of um, the way that in general people see the women's game because like I said 10 15 years ago I would argue that people were terribly prejudiced against women's football yeah. and you'd hear some right rubbish being said about it you don't hear that much now thankfully at least certainly not from people who have any sense and mm. um, and the i know you know we're welsh but the england women's yeah, team winning the european say. championship and hosting it last summer i think has given it an enormous leg up to push the women's games profile as high as it is in the countries that currently dominate women's football. Um, You know, in the USA, for example, it's taken very seriously. In in Europe as well. I mean, Spain has an image as a sort of macho culture, but actually Spanish uh, football fans embrace the the women's game and they get terrific crowds of women's league matches. Now, painting that picture, because I said that's sort of, I'm sorry to waffle on, that sort of background, Mm. really, but... It's about painting the picture of for Wrexham. It's that Welsh football is also on that upward curve, but from a much, much lower base. If you look at the Welsh team, most of them play for English teams. Yeah. The Welsh national side, I mean. Uh, the, the actual Welsh league structure. Well, look at the, the men's league of Wales. That yeah. formed very late. It's a fairly new phenomenon. Women's club football is still bedding itself in. And that, frankly, makes it very exciting because there's no hierarchy I would say established obviously you know the big South Walian clubs dominate and the the top level is mostly South Walian it's only eight teams mostly South Walian again the fact there's only eight teams tells you something about the yeah the way it's a, it's a it's a new sport really in development and and the fact that we get heavy wins against teams in our league shows that there's you know there's a long way to go in building up a a core of strong clubs if you will but we can play a massive leading role 
than this because if we put the money into it and we take it seriously and we achieve Robin Ryan's ambition of being the best team in Wales, we can really drive women's football across the country forward. So that's yeah, a fantastic yeah. thought. So so we could, if we invest the right amount of money, could be the number one team in Wales mm. uh, from a women's level. That would be huge, wouldn't it? That would be absolutely enormous. And yeah. could, is there a possibility of European football yes. with that as well? So at the moment, the Women's Champions League... Uh, it, how many places you get? Well, the same as the men's, but with a slightly different structure. Yeah. Um, the number of European places you get is based on the coefficient numbers the country has. So Wales's league is low down in the European pecking yeah. order. So we get one team in the qualifying rounds of the Champions League. The qualifying rounds, I, I find this quite intriguing, although I'm, I'm purely speculating now, I'm not trying to say anything else, and we're a long way from it, is different from the men's one. They have a group of four, and they play it all at one venue. So I was looking back, was it last season, I think, the Swansea won the league, and they were playing CSKA Moscow and somebody else, and so in, I think, oh, I'm sorry, I wish I remember the diesels, I think in Cyprus or somewhere like that. Oh, wow. Um, I just quite like the idea that if we manage to get that far, and like I say, it's a long way off, I'm not trying to say, oh yeah, we'll win the league next year when we go up, but if we did manage to get into that position, we, you know, maybe we could offer to host the qualifying tournament, and... Have European football back at the race course, even if we don't get through to the competition proper. Wow. Wouldn't that be an amazing experience? It would be huge for the time, mm. wouldn't it? Have European yeah. football back at the race oh, course, yeah. you know, especially with that new cop being built in the future. Yeah, yeah. It's so, you know, like the men's team, then the ceiling's so mm. high, isn't it? it? It's it's really nice to see that as well, isn't it? Mm. Considering we didn't, I, am I right? Not so long ago, we didn't really have a women's team that was embraced. As much as it is now. Yeah, it's sort of being, I don't want to say rebadged, that sounds terribly mm. 2019, doesn't it? But it's sort of been reformed to be a proper integral part of the club. So, strictly speaking, last season was their first season. Now, obviously, there's a lot of common people who, who run through, you know, threads that run through. And the obvious one is Gemma Rowan, who's now been appointed as a sort of head of female football because it's been put on yeah. more of a level footing with the men's in terms of Wrexham's organisation. And so she'll be sorting out the application. But I mean, she's been phenomenal in Wrexham for women's football, not just in terms of bringing through those those other teams that yeah. have become this, but also in terms of, I mean, we both know because we've worked at schools in Wrexham. Yeah. You know, she's there yeah. doing coaching sessions for the kids all the time. You know, she organises that side of things too. And, you know, so, I mean, she's she's done so much for football, women's football in this area. And it's I think it's one of the real things that, get right to the heart of why this takeover is such a good thing, yeah. that this is a brilliant example of Robin Ryan enabling her to fly with her imagination, just like you did with Kerry Evans. You know, yeah. you, you're restricted by budgets. Well, we're going to give you a different kind of budget. Dream, and we'll try and make it happen. And I think that's just magnificent reward for the sort of people who do brilliant work for the club and for the community. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it is fantastic. And it's great for, you know, this, this takeover's been great for all the young, you know, the old kids now as well. Yeah. You know, the men, the boys and the girls can now have figures who they look up to and I think yeah. as uh, you know I'm 
neither of us are women, but I think as young girls, you'll always be looking up when we were younger to the the men's team. And isn't it great that now people have the opportunity to go watch women's football as well? And I'd like you to tell them where you can find to watch games. If you want to go watch a game, where do you go? Well, um, you touched on something I was going to say as well. So the home games are plays in Rose. And so at Rose Aylward's ground, which is easy enough to find, you know, the War Memorial and Johnstown, yeah. turn right, and it's something like second, is it Chapel Street, second turn on your right, and then immediately turn left, and there it is. Um, every time I've been, it's been easy to park. It's only street parking, but th- there's always been room, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, as you were talking actually off air, there's, there's the part of the Ponky, the Banks is right behind it. So if you take a kid and they get a bit bored or whatever, they could go on the, in the park if they want to for a little bit. I'll tell you something that I really enjoyed as I, when I've been there is seeing the number of young girls who go to the matches, who are yeah. doing exactly what you just said, who are seeing people like Rosie Hughes, like Amber Lightfoot, like, like Kim Dutton, and are looking at them and are seeing what they could be in 10 years. You know, I know some of them, I was actually chatting to some of them at the game on, on Sunday. You know, one of them I know is, you know, plays for the younger Wrexham teams as well and desperately would love to play on the race course and play for Wrexham. Yeah, that, and it's exactly that sort of yeah. thing, that they are aspirational. And when you see Rosie Hughes, like, running through a defence, because it's not just that she scores a lot of goals, She's a sort of player who, well, let me give you an example. Yesterday, in the second half, she was she was flagged offside. There there are elements of Mullin about (laughs) Rosie Hughes and elements of Hughes about Mullin. She was flagged offside. I was dead level. I was about twenty five yards out and and high up uh, because there's a bank on the side of the pitch, which gives you a great view. Um, And she was onside. She timed it right, but the lines weren't. You know, fair play. It's got to be called. Put his flag up. Got it wrong. Um, she went nuts and got booked, like Paul Mullen yeah. was, um, and then clearly looked really annoyed. So the next time the ball's in play anywhere near her, she tackled a player, a bit of anger in the tackle, and then sprinted down the left-hand side. There was no room, she was bang on the touchline. Got past two more players, hits the goal line. The, all through this run, the ball is about to go out, and somehow she's keeping it, she's got good feet. Um, and runs down the goal line, shifts it inside a tiny bit. There's no support because she's just been so fast. And she tries from a sort of six yards outside the near post with no goal to aim at to dink the keeper. Wow. Boinks it really high over the keeper and it just drops the wrong side of the far post. It was an absolutely impossible angle. And it's just, you know, the, the girl's watching the side of the pitch. You know, they, she's right. I, I know it sounds silly, it's visceral. She's right there, like a yard away <laughs> from them, doing this stupid, incredible, magical thing. And they're all there, you can see them all getting excited, and if that got in, oh, yeah. frankly, it would have been better than the goal I've seen the men's team score this season. And that's saying something. Yeah, yeah, that's And secondly, something. you know, I mean, it, there's something nice about grassroots football, which is what this is, yeah. that you can afterwards, you know, afterwards the players, just like in a, a school game or a, a sort of like park game, you're all getting together, they're having their photos taken with the, the mascots, the math team's mascots coming out, the kids could wait and say hello to them on the pitch and everyone's very friendly and, you know, it's just that nice mm. atmosphere, it's more accessible, although the men's team are perfectly nice blokes and will... You have to do sort of selfies for and after, but it's still but, at the stadium. Yeah, You're still it's, apart from it, aren't you? And it's a professional game as well. It's a bit more of a superstardom thing going on with the. Yeah. But 
as I say, I think everyone should try and I be, I, I feel guilty. I don't I've not been down. I, I you know, I was lucky enough to do the camera work for the game that was at the race yeah, course, yeah. Uh, which was an absolute privilege and an honour to be a part of. But for me, I think everyone should try their best to try and get down and watch it. You know, we, we, these women who are playing now will be pioneers. Yeah. You know, we'll be looked back at as legends mm. in in years to come, like the men's team will be now yeah. if they get if if we achieve what we want. But this women's team are even more pioneers because mm. hopefully one day we'll be seeing regular football, women's yeah. football at the race course too. Exactly. And um, Colin Henrys was there, the club's press officer and chief of media stuff. There's an official title that I've just made up. And he's at all the women's games reporting. And I was talking to him and I was saying, you know, next season, if they go up, what happens? You know, what what will the standards be like, you know, as he's been watching the team? Will it be a case of, oh, it's good that we built this up and now we're going to have to bring in new players for the new challenge? And he felt no. He thought, obviously, there have to be a couple of yeah. experienced signings. But, but he said, no, he, he thinks that the current squad is, you know, comparing them to what he's seen. Because we've been very competitive in the women's cups the Welsh cups mm. against the top division teams he feels no we would hit the ground running and be <laughs> he wasn't saying win it but wouldn't have a problem with adapting to that higher level um, it was just it was a there's some there's some good players you know like Amber Lightfoot on the, on the wing oh assist for the what would have been fourth goal fifth goal can't remember Hughes' hat-trick just beautiful cross on the run from the left-hand side, just asking to be headed in uh, to a player who has scored 50 goals in 19 games. So she headed it in. <laughs> you know, uh, Kim Dutton is a sort of tidy midfield captain who just um, does everything neatly. Mm. Just, just, just pops up in the right spots all the time. Just doesn't, isn't flamboyant, but just reads the game and controls the game. You know, Katie Sharp at the back, who started off when it was just fun footy sessions and has now come through to the point of you know, being the experienced player in the back in a very young back four, uh, that is pushing to get into the top level where yeah. there's European competition, which I think is a, a wonderful story. And there's so many more players that I I I, I shouldn't really have started doing that because there's so many other players who did so well and who are very, very good. Um but I would say as well, there's one other element that's to be proud of and which fits in beautifully with the ethos that Rob and Ryan bought into when they bought the club, is that the game's in Russ. Now, don't get me wrong, it'd be wonderful one day to be able to have them at the race course regularly, obviously. Um, but to have us at, in one of the towns around Wrexham takes it, the football club out into the community. Yeah. And I think that is really, that is a really good thing. Um, it's not just a case of come to the race course. It's Wrexham is the club of the city and of the county. And we go out and we, we try to reach out to people. It was, a, it was an absolute treat. I feel guilty of not being to more games. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel good, really guilty. I feel really guilty, and I want to. As I said, the, what's really appealing to me is that I can take the kids. It's free, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, free. It's at home, Absolutely. which if you don't, if, if you don't want to stay there for the whole time, you've not lost any money. Yeah, that's you know, I've got, I've got my two kids. You know, there's a park around the corner. I can enjoy the football. The, my lads can enjoy the football if they can't take it. Mm. But if they, if they get a bit bored, they can go run off somewhere else. It's, it's such an accessible way to enjoy football yeah. to introduce young kids into football and get them to enjoy mm. it. Get yourself down, guys. Yeah. Enjoy it, and there's a huge game next week at Connors Key, Mark. So yeah, enormous game for that. So yeah. that'll be well worth getting yeah. down. Let's, let's try and get us, let's get a whole army of Wrexham fans down to <laughs> yeah, that to make some that. noise. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be absolutely superb? Wow. Well, speaking of tr- 
good traveling armies. After this, we're going to talk about the Aldershot game. I'm Luke Young, and this is Dragonheart. <laughs> well, Aldershot. Yet another one, <laughs> a game added to the list of crazy games that have been we've been a part of since this takeover, yeah. Mark. It's almost as crazy as those mosquitoes that are just in the studio that we're at. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it awful? Oh, man. But I was, I was hitting them off the back of um, Che's neck, and the last one was a mosquito. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> where do we start with this game? Um, uh, in other seasons, you end, know, if, in other seasons... Yeah. This would have been one of those mental games that it would happen once every few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just seems normal now as a Wrexham fan to have these three fours, mm. these six fives, these mental yeah. games. It just seems normal now, which it should. It doesn't to me, but it shouldn't. I don't know where. The first half. Let's start with the first half, where I'd say we were quite in control for the most part. I thought we looked excellent mm. in the first half. Um, Trouble is, we kept letting goals at inopportune times. Yeah. Um, and I think, to be fair, all the injuries you had at the back and the reshuffles, you know, Mendy and, and O'Connell were off in that this yeah. game as well. Uh, you know, they, they do make a difference. But, oh, I mean, we won that game three times. Yeah. At 2-0, that game looked over. We, we, we were so good with the ball. Yeah. And I, I, I must be honest, I've heard a lot of very varied comments on how good Aldershot were. I've heard a lot of people saying they were poor. I, I didn't think so. No. I thought they were very gutsy and they kept coming at us. Um, and in a matter of all, they had a player who can clearly cause problems for a defence. Well, I, I think mm. football league clubs would be looking at him because he yeah. looks a decent, decent player, to be fair. He played well at our place mm. as well, I thought. Yeah. Um, but despite that, we took control and caused them massive problems. And at 2 0, I genuinely thought, oh, this is like last season, this is another 5 0. We're going to absolutely wipe the floor with them. But they kept coming back. So 2 1, you're thinking, oh, come on, we should just close yeah. this out now. At 3 1, I'm thinking, okay, we're back into wipe the floor territory. And in fair play, they get another goal back. Yeah. And then the second half wasn't the same, I didn't think. We didn't impose ourselves, although. It should be said we made a hell of a lot of good chances. We could easily put the game to bed before they got the last-minute equaliser. Mm. Um, so it was pleasing in that sense that we did what I would expect us to be able to do, hit teams hard on the break and effectively when they're coming at us because we've got such quality up front mm. and players at Lee in midfield. But, yeah, they got the equaliser. But I, I don't feel quite as panicky when that happens as I have in the past because you always know we've got an injury that goal. Yeah, and especially when Sam Dalby comes on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the goals we've conceded mm. on, at that game. So the first goal, you can't really do much about that. It was a good, well-worked goal by Aldershot, wasn't it? It was well-worked, mate. I, I think I think there were a couple of times when we could have done better stopping crosses coming in from that side of the pitch. There was, a, yeah. there was an opportunity just before then when Mendy... I like Mendy and I'm telling him how to dry but rather left his leg out to dry yeah. and just dangled the leg and it was easy to get the cross in yeah. and then the same happened with O'Connell another player who I think is excellent mm. but I thought he could have done more you look at how Ford does it I think Ford's very good at stopping crosses coming in he gets, yeah. he gets close to people he stops them having the, the, the scope to deliver um, I think he's really really good at that um, we didn't do that and then the defence, and I understand this more, the defence dropped off more defending the back, the six-yard box 
I understand that there's an element of chaos when players get around the back of your defence and you're, you're almost just trying to take up positions more than watching players just to try and you know block a six yard box off but it meant there were two players running in late, mm. attacking the box and our midfielders were too deep and hadn't picked them up Yeah. so I thought it was avoidable but the, the, the thing is that they're able to get around the back and get that ball in Yeah. which is always a danger when you play wing backs isn't it there, yeah. there's always that gap between the, the centre back on the side and that wing back because well, especially a wee player because we really are pushing the wing backs they are our attacking width so. yeah, they're like wingers at times aren't yeah. they our wing yeah. backs which is yeah is dangerous, isn't it? But yeah. I, I suppose you've you've got that breathing room at this level where we've got that much quality. We can even throw our centre. We've seen the times Hayden going up mm. and and doing it, and to, even Toza goes up from yeah. time to time. Play, you know, a, a playing as like an attacking under, not like overlapping, like underlapping yeah. sort of centre half, which you can do at this level. But I think that's crucial. What you just said there, you yeah. can do at this level. Yes, yeah. I found it really interesting. I felt when we got promoted in two thousand and three, that Dennis Smith deliberately looked at the quality of League Two and thought, we've got firepower. If we really become get on the front foot, we will win a lot of games. Yeah. Because his wing-backs then... Because in those days, I would argue that five at the back was more how people played than three at the back, if you will. Yeah. But we were very much three at the back. Our wing-backs, Carlos Edwards and Paul Edwards, were, were very attacking, attacking players. They, they, yeah. they were wide midfielders or wingers, weren't they? Not, not that that team backs. was quite ahead of its time in some I, regard. In many they? ways, yeah, yeah, because yeah, Lawrence was comfortable carrying the ball forwards yeah. when he was playing on the left side of it as well. Pedjek looked to; he wasn't as good with the ball on his feet, but he did look to, and I mm. thought he did a, a sensible job doing that as well. And we had Dan Bennett, who was very good with the ball on his feet for yeah. a centre back in those days, and you know, so I mean, we we had. You know, in some ways, we we were a bit ahead of our time, but certainly, Edwards and Edwards weren't taking up the advanced positions that our wing backs do now as early. Yeah. But what they would do is Edwards, Carlos, Edwards, hang on, which one? Carlos had the pace to burn past people from from deeper positions and get into those stacking spots. Yeah. And Paul Edwards was a dribbler and quick, so he would dribble down the flanks. So they, their starting points were deeper, but they were very attack minded. Um, I would argue that, well, if you want an illustration of how it's changed, it's partly what you said. Centre-backs genuinely looking to link up play in the opposing half and be attacking threats and create overloads. And also the fact that, look at that last chance that we had uh, right at the end of the first half. Mendy, when he lobbed a keeper and just missed a great effort. But that's a restart. He's the highest player up the pitch. Yeah. That, That says a lot. You know, you wouldn't find Carlos or Paul Edwards... In those positions, they would be deeper, linking up in midfield and attacking from there. Whereas you throw Mendy up the line, and he actually goes ahead of the strikers sometimes yeah. to give that attacking width. That's how football's evolved, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's yeah. not as route one. There's a lot more passing now, isn't yeah. there? Like back in back in the early 2000s, it was a lot more hoof over the top, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Where you can't really have really attacking wing backs like you can now. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. Everyone seems to play. Yeah. Uh, out from the back this day and age but of course the, the, the converse with both those teams is they, neither of them were clean sheet machines yeah. and although we actually still got the second best defence in the league this season um, we we are struggling to keep clean sheets yeah, this is yeah, this is what I want to talk about really yeah. how, how do we I think it's down to having Hayden out personally yeah. I, think, I, I looked at that game against Aldershot and I think we wouldn't have and even 
No, so let me. Bleh, sorry, mm. I look at that game against Oldershot, and I think we look weaker going forward from throw-ins and corners yeah. without Hayden. Quite drastically as well, isn't it? And defensively, we do look a lot weaker from set pieces at this moment in time, mm. don't we? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we are missing Hayden, and I think the we have chopped and changed this back three a lot at the moment. Mm. We haven't got any sort anything sort of stable at this moment in time. Who would you pick for your back three at this moment in time? Well, uh, whoever's available, uh, I see honest answer, and that's the problem with Vargas, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you're quite right. Hayden's athleticism is massive. Yeah, I do feel uh, because you're being very positive, there is the danger of getting exposed you know, naturally because you, you, put, you commit players into attacking positions and try to overload in the opposing half. Well, if they decide to get good possession back, they can hit you. And I think that's a risk Dennis Smith took with his team and Phil Parsons taking it happily because it enables us to have goal power and overwhelm teams. Yeah. But it is a little bit of a risk. And a player like Hayden, his pace is a very useful weapon when you are overcommitting. Yeah. Clue is pretty quick too, as well, to be fair. Yeah, he is, yeah. Um, but <laughs> their pace is useful because you're almost asking the centre backs, not just as a unit, but as individuals, to maybe go that little bit above. Yeah. You know, there's a snuff problems out. Yeah. Something Toes is very good at. He's not the quickest, but he is good. When he gets exposed one to one, he's usually good at siphoning players off to the flank, yeah. slowing them down, using the touchline as an extra defender, if you will. I know it's not quite. You know, he's an intelligent centre yeah. half, isn't he? he knows. And then he'll hold them up until support has come back. Yeah. And he's very good at that sort of thing. Yeah. But it does help having someone like Hayden who's really fast alongside him, doesn't it? Naturally. Yeah. So who would I pick at centre-back now? How injured is O'Connell is my first question. Mm-hmm. I guess you've got Tony Cliff, you've got Tozer and you've got Clueth. And then the only other fit centre-back, if O'Connell is not okay, is Lennon. is Lennon, who I rate enormously. Yeah. But obviously, you know, has probably not got 90 minutes in him at the moment and is still coming back from a very serious injury. Yeah, it's... it's... <laughs> We are just missing Hayden. I do really think That's we are missing yeah, Hayden. Yeah. And when we have fully fit centre-backs, Phil Parkinson has a really Absolutely. tough task to pick yeah. them. And I didn't really want to address this, but I think you know, there's a certain player getting a lot of criticism right. this this last few weeks and this season, really. And I think a lot of the time has been unfair. And I think Wrexham fans seem to have a go at the goalkeeper a lot. Mm. Uh, I think Mark Howard's getting a lot of criticism at the moment. Uh, I've seen online a lot of people criticising the third goal, which I thought they'd criticise the second goal a little bit more. The second goal is the, is the one you can look at, I think. Yeah. Um, but um, I've heard a lot of people saying you should have saved two of the goals. I, I can't agree with that, to be honest. The third one, I mean, it's, it's a free header by eight yards out. So initially, I'm saying there's been a breakdown in the defence to allow that, which is not Howard's fault. The cross has come from deep. So, you know, the old old basics, isn't it? Mm. A cross from deep should be easier to defend than a cross from the touchline. And yet we've allowed the sides one man up front to get a free header. So I think the, the defence has to look at itself, mm. including Howard in terms of organisation, but the, the defenders haven't picked up the main man in the box. And then the header has taken a deflection right in front of Howard. Now... I think people are feeling, is he slowing it down? Could he have got across quicker to it? I mean, maybe, but the truth of the matter is, it is a deflection which has shifted the ball 90 degrees away from the direction he was heading. Yeah. 
Uh, and I'm I'm very reluctant to blame him for that. I, I can see how he could have done better with the second. Yeah. I'm going to say it like that rather than he made a mistake. Um, insofar as that, that angle's tight for Hutchinson and is getting tighter every inch the ball moves towards the goal line. And I think Howard was quite tight in this near post and had it covered anyway. Um, but whether he was anticipating the shot or not, he moved over to his overcompensated at his near post and just left a tiny gap with Hutchison hit, I don't say deliberately, but the natural thing to try and do in that situation. Well, I suppose maybe not. I was going to say natural thing is hit across the keeper. Actually, if you've got an impossible angle, maybe it does go for power at the near post. Mm. And so Howard's following that and is unlucky that Hutchison, I think, I think, I'm not knocking him. I think he's a good striker. But he's just, uh, come on, he knows he's probably not scoring from mm. him and he's taking a swing at it. And just let's see where it goes. And Howard's just leaned out of the way, just, well, it looks like he's leaning out of the way of it. Um, you see so many goalies these days. I think it's a change in technique over the last five, six, seven years. You see so many, so many goalies these days who will gamble in one-on-one situations and people don't tend to complain because it's not at a tight angle. Yeah. Now, you could argue, yeah, well, don't gamble when it's a tight angle because you have, he's going to have to find a phenomenal finish to beat you if you just stand up. I accept that totally. But having said that, he is essentially doing what a lot of goalkeepers do do now. You know, goalkeeping has changed a lot from when I was a failed goalkeeper yeah. to, you know, the sort of handball, Peter Schmeichel, big arms, Diving, legs, and yeah, starfish, and, yeah. starfish yeah. And, and players often looking to read and anticipate one-on-one finishes, whereas it used to be, I was with Kevin Russell, was always the one I used to love, he scored so many goals because he was too quick. When his first spell for Exxon, yeah. and when he was a young striker, really quick, he'd be so quick breaking through and getting one-on-one. I don't think I've ever seen a striker as good at one-on-ones, because in those days, goalkeepers would just try to stand up. Mm. And the less good ones, i.e. the fourth division ones that Russell was playing against, couldn't stand up that long. He'd be running at them, he might do a little fake or something, they'd go down, mm. and then bang, he, just, he, would, he scored so many goals by going one-on-one, and just blasting it right down the middle, because the keeper's going to go down. Mm. He's not going to stand up. Um, so yeah, techniques have changed, but that that was a failing of the goalkeeper. This is now keepers do generally go down early in order to anticipate, and how it's well, not out of step in doing that. I, I'm I'm feeling a lot of deja vu at the moment with mm. Mark Howard at the moment with the '98 point season. We had Joss and maybe and Matt, mm. Chris Maxwell, yeah. where we have an excellent goalkeeper on the bench that mm. a lot of fans seem to love. That we are overanalyzing everything yeah, Mark strange. Howard's doing, yeah. and I think it's unfair at times I do think yeah. it's unfair but it must be hard to be in Mark Howard's position when you've got such a fan favourite on mm. the bench and everyone's going to be and this is what I want, really want to say to all the fans please don't get on Howard's back because it's the worst position in the world yeah. when the fans are on your back I've seen goalkeepers really get broken by fans at Wrexham and yeah, other John, places. John, John Ruddy, when he was on loan with us, uh, he had a couple of stinker games, didn't he? And uh, the fan, the fans really getting on his back, and look what career he's had. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the fans were very harsh on Mark Cartwright, I thought, who mm. was a good keeper. Um, and they, 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 they really got at him a bit. And Stuart Parker as well, yeah. I, I remember in the 80s, people sort of like having a go at him when he had a bad run. Christian Dibble. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, that's a great example because yeah. I mean, Dibble's been a terrific servant for us. Yeah. And yet, you know, some people generally were, you know, unpleasant about him. Was, come on. Jo- Jocelyn Miebe as well, you yeah, know. Yeah, even, yeah. Though, yeah. even though I know Jocelyn Miebe was, he was a bit of a, what's the, he was a character, let's mm. say, wasn't he? But he would, he was an excellent goalkeeper at the same mm. time. So I, 
I think we need to stay positive yeah. as possible when it comes to Mark Atwood personally. 100% he's a good keeper he's made a lot of good saves yeah. he's, the game at Notts County I know we lost 1-0 but they could have scored 4 or 5 yeah. but yeah. Howard was phenomenal in that match he's very quick off his line made one really good save coming off his line so quickly he made it look easy and everyone ignores it but he, the guy was going to run through but Howard was so quick off his line bang got there comfortably before him didn't even, I didn't even put it in the highlights because it didn't look exciting but it was a good piece of yeah. goalkeeping there's more to goalkeeping than just shot stopping although I've met a few can't shot stop it can be an issue something that I found to be cost obviously yeah <laughs> well but yeah that, I, I want to address that situation no, I, 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 I think um, it's a very tough position to play in, and I think Wrexham fans are notoriously tough on goalkeepers as well we can like them too though I think the thing with Maxwell Miebi is also that it got a bit politicised because yeah. the decision to leave Maxwell out wasn't based on football it was based on an interview he gave which which I feel was a bit misinterpreted um, and then he was sort of punished by being left out of the team Miebi made some mistakes in those games but was kept in yeah. um, I think as a sort of punishment to Maxwell and I politicised it and fans split between the two keepers and I was on uh, not that I was making public pronouncements about it or certainly not angry ones but I was very much Team Maxwell because I, I think he's the best keeper we've had for a very, very long time. Outstanding goal. <laughs> but you could also argue maybe he was the second best I, as well. I, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would say Maxwell, in National League years, personally, I think probably Maxwell's the best keeper yeah. we've had. Yeah. Um, I think Miebi is in that second rank, very close behind him with the likes of Rob Lanes. Yeah. Um, we've had some very good keepers. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I think Miebi was a good goalkeeper. He's very unorthodox. Didn't give the same sense of certainty that Maxwell gave, but also I, I, could, could, you know, his abilities to come out for everything could really help you. I, I always said, um, maybe's physical attributes mm. with Maxwell's technique and yeah. timing yeah. would have been a Premier League goalkeeper. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's, that's a very fair comment. So maybe's instinctive. And then again, I think, as we've had on the past on Dragon Out, when we interviewed Joss, yeah. You know, the, the the late games he had where he made bad mistakes, he was basically playing on one leg. The Achilles yeah. are gone. So, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people remember that and think, oh, look at where he went. To be fair, he should not have been playing then. He was badly injured. Yeah. But he went on there because he wanted to do it I for a team. I remember so, one game where he was literally hopping on one yeah. leg for the whole game. So. That Gateshead game and Andy Bishop scored a hat-trick on my birthday. <laughs> what a nice man. Um, I mean, I remember he letting a goal like first couple of minutes where... Player just shot at, straight at him, and he just sort of fell over out of the way of the ball. It was his leg just gave way, and at the time they hadn't really made it public. And I was like, "What the hell is wrong with him?" I mean, it's shocking. Yeah. But now, of course, you realise he's playing on one leg. Poor bloke. Yeah, <laughs> and a bouncy keeper like him, he can't bluff it. Some yeah, players, he, he relied um, on his physical yeah. attributes, didn't he, to make himself yeah. a good goalkeeper? Look at Andy Dibble in that 2003 season. Not mobile. He's an old man by then. Yeah. But his reading of the game meant he didn't have to be bouncing around all over the place because he could anticipate. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. Or, or Di Davis, when he came out of retirement to play for Wrexham, because Dixie desperately needed the goalkeeper, you know, he hadn't played for a couple of years and he, his mobility was not great. But he read the game and he organised his defence. And Miyabi was the opposite, you know. He was like agility and doing crazy saves that no one, not many people could do. That's what Miyabi was about. Maxwell was, Maxwell's a very good reader of the game, wasn't Mm. he? But as you said, the the best goalkeeper in 
the conference area, yeah. Anyway, we thought we've had a big. <laughs> and one thing we haven't so mentioned. That's Aldershot. Yeah, that's Aldershot. <laughs> yeah, one thing I haven't mentioned is um, Sam Dalby's last minute goal. Oh, what, what a header. Amazing. Every time we talk about Sam Dalby, I think I've got to work out his goals per minute. And like, you always forget. I mean, that guy's potent. Yeah. Sam, he's, he's really making a case to be the. On the starting level at this moment in time, isn't he? It's, I, I never thought I would be saying that myself. But then you said it, so I haven't yet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, Mullen and Palmer are so fixed, fixed and, and should be, don't get yeah. me wrong. But Dolby's form is magnificent. What a signing. He's got and, a hell of a record for Parkinson. And I, I also think Palmer needs a little bit of a break, maybe, because be, he's played be. a hell of a lot yeah, of football, and yeah. I feel like he's lost that yard of explosiveness that he had yeah, last yeah. season, personally. And he's been carrying an injury. He's, yeah. still, he's still done well, I think, considering oh, all yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Dolby, like you say, is pushing for the start and fair play to him. And I think Palmer was underrated. He had an underratedly really good performance on yeah. Saturday. I think yeah, he held great. the ball up well. Um, but I do think he needs a little bit of a rest. Anyway, that's for future podcasting. Indeed. <laughs> After this, we... We'll talk about other stuff. We'll talk about other stuff. Why not? <laughs> I'm Harry Lennon, and this is Dragon Heart. Well, we didn't have the opportunity to actually report on the Scunthorpe game in this episode of Dragon Heart. Of course, the Hot Take and Final Whistle podcasts are available on the club's platforms if you want to watch or listen to those. But as a little treat, here are the main points of the match. I'm Liam McClendon and this is Dragon Heart. Well, our half-time guests have arrived, I'm excited to say, because uh, Mark Woodley is here, and oh, I'll just hit his mic so he can pop it on safely. The, do you want to chat to them, Jay? Do you want to do, you want to do the interview? Are you, you happy with that? Okie dokie. Well, hi, Mark, and oh, Jim's got his headphones on before I could quickly say that I've forgotten Jim's second name, which is disgusting, isn't it? And he's <laughs> no, not going to no, tell no. me either. Huh? <laughs> You're not going to tell me either? It's Nelson. Excellent, right. So, so, now you guys, you've got to tell us the story. You've come over from Waterloo, Iowa. What, what, yeah, Waterloo, Iowa, which Fahrenheit is about 60 degrees colder than here right now, by the way. <laughs> and that's partly how you made your reputation, of course, Mark. Right, you we'll know. We'll get to that in a moment, perhaps. A little bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we fell in love with the story, with the town, the show, with everything. And I was a student uh, at Trinity College in Carmarthen, Wales, 25 years ago. So I already had the connection to the country. I love this place. And the best thing about this whole thing is that I don't have to explain to people where Wales is anymore. Yeah. Everybody knows now. They know. They know where Wales yeah. is, and that wasn't a thing. And that Wales is not England. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, at last, at last, everyone's worked that out. Thank goodness. And I mean, Mark, you're you're a sports anchor on the the TV station. Um, what has? Okay, you're you're drawn <laughs> in by the show. Yes. And yet, ex explain why you're actually here as well. Well, like I said, uh, we were drawn in by the show. Um, we decided we had about a week off. Uh, this is our busiest time of year, but we had a week off between our two biggest tournaments of the season. So we decided we were going to do something with it. We were going to come here. Um, and, you know, I figured if I'm going to come here, I'm a sports reporter. I'm going to do a story about this because the whole thing is amazing. I talked to you. I, I talked to Wayne Jones over at the turf. I've talked to several fans, and it's been just a fantastic. We got here last night, and the last 24 hours have been amazing. 
Absolutely. Truly amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Jim, as well, we looked around the ground this morning as well, and I could see you were really enjoying just having a just having a look at it and, and, and the, the strange little quirks that you get in a, an ancient football or sports stadium like this. I love the history about it. It's, uh, that was a fascinating, just to be able to walk through the entire race course and, you know, to see the locker rooms, to see all the different areas of the stadium. Um, I'm fascinated by that stuff, and, you know, that's going to be part of, you know, the report when we get back home. And, you know, it was just amazing to be able to walk and just know the history that's flown through or flowed yeah. through this, this stadium. And we've all seen it on TV. And just to be here right now, just looking at this field, this gorgeous pitch out there, it, it is, it's absolutely brilliant. I've got to ask you as well, like, like you say, the, the, the Malcolm's Reaction Show does a, a great job of getting atmosphere across. Mm -hmm. Having seen half a game now, what do you think? Is it measuring up to the show? Or? It is <laughs> exceeding all expectations I had. Uh, you know, we're behind the goal over here. The crowd back there is just fantastic. They're, they're saying a few things that I can't say over the air. <laughs> oh, quite. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it has been so, so much fun. Mm. And, and it's good as well to hear that because we've been saying up here that mm -hmm. it, it all feels a bit anxious and not quite like usual. So hopefully mm -hmm. in the second half we can get going and give you a proper real Wrexham roar. You know? <laughs> well, that's what we're hoping. They're, they're just waiting to score all the goals in front that's of it. us, you know. You yeah, know. precisely. So we have a really up and close and, <laughs> you know, person, you know. I, I have to ask as well that because this is something that I know a lot of people here are genuinely fascinated with. How much of an impact, and I think you've given us a taste of it already, mm -hmm. has the show had in the States? Is, is, this, is this something which is genuinely high profile? Because we're always delighted when we see someone's in New York and there's a cab with an advert for the show on top. How, much, how deep has this gone, would you say? It's gone, gone incredibly deep. I mean, think of the number of Twitter followers Ryan Reynolds has. Not, <laughs> Rob doesn't have quite as many. I think that was pointed out several times <laughs> in the show. <laughs> But, you know, he's such a high-profile person. Bringing him into this scene in Wrexham, mm. it just made a huge impact. Everybody knows who Wrexham is now. Nobody knew who Wrexham was, you know, seven months ago. But there are so many people in the States who know this show. And the, you're like you said, they did such a great job mm. in portraying everything. You know, we saw so many people from the show at the turf tonight, and you feel like you know all of them. Yeah. Of course, yes. they don't yeah. know you. <laughs> But you talk to them like you know them, and they're just looking at you like, hey, how's it going? No, no but they have all been really fantastic. Yeah. We've talked to several people from the show, and everybody has been so gracious. You know, some of them might be a little bit over the fame a little bit, but they don't, they don't show it. They don't show it, and everybody's been so friendly. I think, I think the big thing about how popular the show has been and how popular Wrexham is now is last night at the turf, there was more Americans than there was, there was Welsh people. <laughs> yes. We ran into people from all over the states when we were in the turf last night. It was quite incredible. That's fantastic. Yeah, Wayne was telling me he had a group of, over there from Malaysia not that long yeah, ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it, it, it's so bizarre, really, and so surreal, and it's been so much fun. Uh, it, it's wonderful to hear. Jim's just having the, the privilege now of having to make way for, <laughs> for Wayne Phillips, who's played against Arsenal when we beat them, and then ahead of him, ex-Welsh captain Kevin Ratcliffe, who was a captain of the very strong Wales team in the 80s, and Everton, when, they were, when Everton were a good team. So that's quite, it's, quite, it's quite fun, the people you bump into around here, you know? Uh, this I is know. press row right here. This, I, I'm, I'm used to this. This is great. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're amongst football royalty, though. This yeah. is great. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, well, absolutely. It's always nice to... 
you know, you, you get Mickey Thomas who scored the, the famous goal against of Arsenal course. often up here as well. <laughs> what a lovely bloke and what a character. So it is great fun. And I want to point out here. to everybody listening, I called it football, right? I didn't say soccer. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> <laughs> I always argue that soccer is the original English word for it. And when British people get stiffy, that maybe we should take a good hard look at ourselves. Yeah. But I've been trying good. to stay away from it. Yeah, that's probably wise because uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I get told off. Funnily enough, people don't really want much etymology in their football commentary. It's a quite peculiar thing. Um, I also showed you the excitement by, of, of, of the, the building site. But even even now, when it's, yeah, I was so proud. That was the best part of my tour, was taking you up six flights of steps in order for you to look over a wall at nothing. And nothing. I thought that was, that was me being you, a perfect You told host. us there might be something there, some tank traps. Yes. There were no and tank there were, traps there. Yeah, absolutely. So I even <laughs> promised something and delivered nothing. Um, but but it, it, that sense of something's building, quite literally, mm-hmm. that sense when you look at that big empty space over there, you, you get the feeling, don't you, this is... It's exciting how things are building up and developing. It really is, and I'm actually a little bit disappointed. I wish I was here a couple months ago just to see (laughs) the condemned cop that was just sitting there, because I've never seen it, and I never will now, because it's gone, but it is so exciting to see what's coming. Absolutely. Keep your eyes on the British news, because condemned cops seem to be pretty much what (laughs) we're going to be having on the news over the next six months or so, I assure you, Um, with a C. The, um, it's... I know as well you're interested in the impact on the town as a community in the way that this club and this takeover is, is doing more than just getting results on the pitch. And that, I hope that's come across to you as well. Oh, well Every, yeah, everywhere we went, uh, we've had great conversations with the mm-hmm. local people and, it, and it's just been awesome. They've been so welcoming. And, and we had conversations about what this this revitalization revital, of Wrexham has done to the city yeah. as well. Um, and that's that's been fun, fantastic. That's that's been a real part of the excitement for us of being here. Well, and everybody talking about you know when it happened during COVID and the, the economic impact COVID had on everybody, not just Wrexham, but having something like this happening happening during such a horrible time. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it really is. And and it's also, I think, were it not for COVID, streaming would not have been accelerated and that actually allowed ironically played into the hands of our business model in that you know eventually we did get streaming on a more regular basis and i think it's fair to say that the the fact that we stream is fantastic in in terms of the way we're trying to again you know preach to north american audiences to be able to see the games is fantastic that's true but it almost put me in a really foul mood on a saturday uh, when that equalizer made that game 3-3. Oh, yeah. And I was telling him, like, yeah. great, we're going to go to Wrexham. They're going to be coming off two straight draws. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. the, the worst stretch of the year. And then Sam Dalby off that corner comes up with that goal. And what a hero. That just made my day. That oh, made my day. It's like, all right, now we're going to Wrexham <laughs> on a high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I, I think because you are actually behind the goal now mm-hmm. uh, in the crowd, I feel like I should probably let you... Let you run back, so I don't All want right. you to miss anything, to be honest. I, I definitely do not. I want this to see awesome. about three or four Paul Mullen goals exactly. right into that net in the I, second I, half. I sincerely could talk to you all night, <laughs> but I, I think it's only fair that you get a chance to actually enjoy the second half properly without sprinting down the sides of the pitch and getting rugby tackled by stewards. So can I just say again, <laughs> it's a genuine privilege to meet you. It is so fantastic, and it's wonderful to see just the effect the show's had 
and, and how people can get hooked into this story. It's, it's a, it's a, for someone who's followed Wrexham all their life, mm -hmm. whose dad followed Wrexham all their life, whose granddad did, I feel honoured that, that this is all happening. And I love hearing those stories. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, sure. fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Mark. Thank, thank you. you so much, Jim. Thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure, thank but you. like, genuinely, I don't need to miss anything. So um, <laughs> make your way back and let's hope that Paul delivers for you. Well, that's what that's our hope. Yeah. Great. Nice. Cheers. One. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you so much. Brilliant. That. Thank you. So fantastic. That's so Mark and Jim really. I mean, absolute honour to have them at the racecourse. Absolute honour to see this club growing and developing in such a wonderful way. So uh, that was fun. That was. We'll I'm Jake Hyde, and this is Dragonheart. Me again. Let's have a listen now to Mark Woodley and Jim Nelson, who, as I mentioned earlier, had travelled over from Iowa to make a report on the remarkable story of what's going on in Wrexham and also uh, to take in the Scunthorpe game. And we were fortunate enough to chat to them during half-time. So here is what they had to say for themselves. His toes are creaming the ball. Lovely ball again. Ozana takes it nicely. Tries to beat his man. Leaked as well again. He gets a tackle in. Pops a little give and go to Elliot, who has to go backwards. And feeds it back to Richard Everton. He drills it up to the halfway line inaccurately. And Wrexham come forwards again. Flicked on by Young. Was he fouled? Ref doesn't give it. Young's back up on his feet, fighting to win it back. And the ball, though, is poked on. And this is a chance for Scunthorpe to break a long ball hoisted forwards and missed by McElinden. That's poor. Shot driven in. Great save by Lainton. The rebound from Elliot is fumbled by Lainton, but he grabs it. It was about to cross the line. Wow, well, there's a poor error by McAlinden, it's got to be said. Leighton's not happy with him, is he? he? Well, he shouldn't be, to be perfectly yeah. frank. And Wilson was then super hit by him. Great save by Leighton. It's just not quite clicking yet, are we? Not no. quite, no. The space Hosanna's getting, though, and the fact that they haven't adjusted mm. to stop that happening, I've got to be honest, does surprise me. Throw in then. Which McAlinden's pushing it back oh, clearly. Lines up doesn't help out the referee there. Wilson's now running at Tunnicliffe on the diagonal. Wrexham get back cover well, and McAlinden wins it back well. Stabs it, but Mullins miles offside. Palmer will chase it. Keeper will have to come out of the box to deal with it. And clears it to Young. The fans wanted to shoot to keep us off his line. Young hits it over him as he comes oh! up on it. Oh! Oh! What an effort! Oh! What an effort that was. Brilliant from Luke Young. Oh my word, oh. inches lower and that would have been a goal and the applause ringing out around the crowd. Wow, that was brilliant from the skipper, wasn't it? Oh, what, what an attempt that was. Uh, if that would have gone in, that would have been some magical goal, that would have been. Mm. Oh. Two inches lower and that would have been in the back of the net, guys. So Ogle now ready to sling one in, Linton directing his defenders, a long flat one is a good one, drops loose in the box and Lainton grabs hold of it, luckily for Axon Boyce couldn't take hold of it and Lainton with an early kick looking for Mullen, it's headed away though by Leek in midfield, Lee gets up, heads it to Mullen who's done well to get back onside, juggles it and plays a lovely ball, McAlinden, right hand side as two players attack in the box, sets himself, swings oh. it in for Mullen, oh. penalty. it's got to yeah, be, yeah, well, Immediately, James Jones goes to shake McAlinden's hand. That was a magnificent was. ball by McAlinden. Great ball in. Mullen, the defender had to go for it. Oh, Mullen did brilliantly to get there first and nick it past him. And it, the, the contact was inevitable, but Mullen has stayed down. down because he's he'd be right, taking guys. the penalty. He's all right. He's sitting up now. 
Neil using all those years of medical training <laughs> well no diagnosing him from the ref, yards. the ref not called on medical assistance <laughs> does he so the but Interesting to see Elliot Lee's pick the ball up as he's saying to Mullen, if you're hurt, I'll, t I'll take <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I'll have well, it. <laughs> that didn't last long because Mullen is up and he's taking the ball from right. him. That I think, to be fair, Lee patted him on the back of the head. I don't think he was offering. Or at least he was tentatively asking. That, that was a stonewall penalty as well. Yeah. I mean, there was no complaints was there from Scunthorpe at all. So here's Mullen. With a chance from the spot. Referee gives the blast of his whistle. Mullen. Short, straight, run-up. Steps up. Scores! Yes! Wrexham take the lead in the 24th minute. Mullen has equaled the amount of goals he scored last season. Wow. He was a phenomenon last season, but he's got there by February this time. Wow. Not bad. That, that's a striker who shouldn't be playing at this level. <laughs> and you said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, he just stepped up, keep it committed to his right, he drilled it. Anyway, now he can take it. Sweeps it beyond the crowd. That's lovely oh. smashed miles over the bar. Oh, but no. Young will keep it in. That was a <laughs> hell of a mishit. McElinden works it too young in a crossing position. And he sweeps a great ball in. Oh! Ricochets wide. Yeah, he chose couldn't get his head to that. It was a difficult header. I said free header. He did lose his man. But he just couldn't get contact on it properly. Throw and taken. Jones impetuous has turned well and has worked square by Beeston. Shot from distance. Hits oh. the post and Ricochet's back into the goal mouth. It's driven back in again. Elliot, can he get the turn in? He lays it off. Chance for a shot, but Wrexham crowding the ball. It's moved back to the corner of the box. Cross comes in. Tools ahead to clear now. Can Wrexham break? Excellent use of the body by Mullen. Turns his man. Two on two. Defenders trying to nibble at him. Mullen feeds it for Palmer and overheads it. Mullen will, Palmer will keep chasing though. Good spirits. He's good in those vicious palm and he makes it difficult to get the ball away. He wins a throw in. But what a lucky escape for Axel at the other end. Rode our luck then, didn't we, guys? It was a hell of a good strike. Linton full stretch. Couldn't get the touch. Flicked onto the halfway line. Palmer, good strength, battles, nods it backwards. Lovely touch by Lee. Fans Mendy on the halfway line. Tries to poke it oh. through for Mullen, but it's intercepted. Pass wasn't really on. He's just go backwards and keep the ball there. Young, good tackle. Mendy, that's a cute little header to Mullen. It's all very scrappy in the middle of the pitch. Lee now goes accelerating goes lovely ball. Lovely. Palmer, great flick on Mendy. Gets around the back of the fence. Will he hit it? He does. Oh! It was a very tight angle. It was a super move. Should have and squared he drove it across the face and behind for the goal kick. Should have squared this to Jones. Would have been easy tap in. Mm. Yeah, Jones. And is it McAlinda was coming yeah. in on the back post as well. Just couldn't get to it. Which oh. ricocheted loose. And it's going to be picked up on the edge. A laid back oh. shot comes in. Blocked well. And falls to Lee. Now, can Lee accelerate forwards? He's done really well. He's not got much ahead of him. But he has now. He's found Mullen. Up oh. in the box. He's got players on the side. Brilliant turn. He pokes it to Young. Oh. oh, dreadful touch by Young. He'll keep it in. But I a proper touch. And he was in on goal. He was just too far ahead of him, Mark. Lays it into Mendy. Back to Young, level the edge of the area. Mendy goes new overlap. Young feeds it inside. Jordan Davis intercepts. Left foot drills the shot. Oh. Keeper drops it. And it oh. looks like a penalty. penalty. It is a yes. penalty. The keeper drops it. Fulham was in there. The keeper took his legs. And Wrexham have a penalty in the 81st minute because Jordan Davis, the Coyote assassin, pulled the trigger. He did. He did. Keeper couldn't hold it. I, I feel for keeper yeah. in that position there. Be that's a hard shot to deal with, isn't it? Bouncing right in front of you. He's only a young keeper. Obvious, pe another on obvious penalty. I'd have held it. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so, 
the fans loving Jordan Davis's contribution. Well, it's, it's something we're not doing a lot of is having yeah. shots from outside the area, you know. Anything can happen. It was a good 25 yards out, really powerful efforted shot. Straight at the keeper for me. He didn't hold on to it, came off his chest. Mullen was really alert, keeper took his legs. And now Mullen stands on the ball as the ball is on the spot. And waits for the referee to complete his formalities. Gives the go-ahead. Mullen stands on the edge of the box. He'll take it when he's ready. Steps up. Right for yes! Yeah! 2-0! 2 for Mullen! And Wrexham have got that breathing space that they desperately need. Keeper went the right way that time. But Mullen drilled it. And the yeah. keeper couldn't get to it. Uh, no keeper would save that mark, would they? No. The, the pace no. he puts on his, his penalties, you know, he, he keeps them low. And there's so much power behind it. Yeah. Unstoppable, was it? Yeah. I would have held it. <laughs> You'd been in the back of the net with it. <laughs> <laughs> He drilled that, didn't he? Real power. So keeper went the right way. Got close, but yeah, great strike by Mullen. Leak turning and playing Oof. a dangerous ball straight to Dolby on the edge of the day. He's back to goal, so he has to turn. He finds James Jones on the right. Four bodies in the box to aim for. Clips it in, wins a corner. And the flag's up for throw uh, handball. Handball. It's a free kick on the corner. That should the be a yellow card Instead. as well. That was in the box, isn't it? The ref's given it about a yard outside, so the the, uh, the monitor's way back. Okay, right, now the, we're there. The linesman spotted it. I didn't see it. Yeah. So strange one. Jordan Davis is going for goal, guys. <laughs> Do you reckon? It's yeah, he is. Ten he's yards going. out, right hand side, just oh, outside the box. He, if he got this in, he's going for a curler. Two-man wall. Oh come on! Big crowd of players at the far post, six yards out. Ooh, yeah. it's close that, I whether he's in the box. box or not. Looking at the replay, it's certainly closer than where the freak has been taken. Davis steps up, squares to the edge, Lee in space, drills it, uh, it blocked. Ricochets back out, Lee can't get to it. A bit of anti-climax. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was, wasn't it? So, ooh, Cleworth knocks it against Elliot, but it'll go back to the keeper safely enough. Nice, we've seen a replay there now, as there's the final whistle. Wrexham win 2-0 and keep the pressure on at the top of the table. Yeah, as, um, just seeing the replay, that's a penalty, yeah. definite penalty. Yeah, it's a penalty, yeah. yeah. Hi guys, I'm Dominic Bowes and uh, this is Dragonheart. So there you go. This was Dragonheart. I hope you enjoyed this and we'll be back again same time next week on Calon FM in order to share the show again. Let's see how Wrexham do as another of these congested weeks goes by and also how the women's team do at Connors Key Nomads. Good luck to all of them. I'm Mark Griffiths. I'm standing in for Che Long. This is Dragonheart. I'm Dan Jarvis and this is Dragonheart.